Hi guys, welcome back to the To All The People podcast. This is your host, Janelle Roberts. If you have not been here before, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so excited for today's episode. I can't even describe it. I can't even dial it down into one thing. Today we had Sidoni on here. Sidoni is our social media big sister, and I'm completely obsessed with her vulnerability and her rawness that she uses on her platform. In this conversation, we do a little bit of trauma bonding, I'm not gonna lie. We talk about our love for Beyonce, and not only that we really do dive deep on what it means to be a tokenized black girl we also talk about what it means to be exceptional and i think about black women and exceptionalism and how that plays a key factor in our mental health how come and why is it that we oftentimes have to equate our sense of self-worth to the things that we have and to our accomplishments in this episode and on this podcast we talked about being laid off from work and what that entailed for sedoni and i also wanted to manage and ask her hey girl how are you figuring this out and where did you learn to pivot this is all about pivoting y'all this is all about overcoming this is all about figuring it out when life is shit i hope you enjoy i hope you like this episode happy monday y'all let's get right into it i'm excited for this one Hi, Sidoni. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, bro? I'm doing good. How was the, you know, how was the ride over? It's only like three stops on the Q train. Really? But we just got stuck on the bridge. So really? I just had to wait there for like five minutes. There's a train you. in front of us. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you because there's so much I want to talk to you about. I'm happy to be here. I'm such a big fan. Really? Yeah. I'm tapped in from the Neche episode like a year ago. Like, I, Listen, I'm I love Neche. Like for real. She was actually one of the first guests because I had a lot of people the first season say no. Because they just didn't know what it was. Like, there wasn't even an episode out. They didn't even know what they were getting themselves no, into. No, I listened so. to that one. I was like, oh, this is fun. Yeah. And I kept listening. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. There's, like, so much I want to talk to you about. I want to talk about Google. There's just a lot. But first and foremost, before we even get started, I want to talk about Miss Collins. Because you made, <laughs> you made, <laughs> you made, you made this TikTok and you said, let's talk about Miss Collins. And you were talking about when she said that you would be pregnant at 16. Yeah. Like, I want to talk about that and like how that probably your origin story and who you are. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, hey, y'all. I'm Stoney. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping I'm from New York, um, but I was born in Trinidad and Tobago, um, moved to the United States when I was like a baby, like have no memory of living anywhere else. Um, grew up in East New York, was, like in Brooklyn. Um, it's on the border of Brooklyn and Queens, like really high crime area. Lived yeah. there until I was like 15. Um, then we moved to Queens. And the part of Queens that we moved to is pretty much like this very idyllic, like suburb. It's like PG County in Maryland, just a bunch of black people oh, with money. So it was like well, a well, yes. Yeah. So it was a really big like yes. difference. Um, went to private school for a few years in my childhood and then transferred to a public school. So this was pretty much like the first year yeah. I was in public school um all black school it was in my neighborhood so it's just what was there um I won't say the school was great by any means but I had this teacher Miss Collins she taught seventh grade um earth science like chemistry and all that <laughs> and she was really mean to me um I will say I wasn't the best behaved kid like I was same girl you know I was super angry <laughs> that like I had to leave like my idyllic well-resourced school yeah and having to go to a place that I wasn't really familiar with like yeah it, wasn't ideal for me um but pretty much we got into it because I'm really tall I'm five nine yeah and you know the little desks that you have in school yes <laughs> yes so I was too tall for the desk your knees be yeah my knees, knees bunched would up. lift I already the was desk talking about up. girl yep so she would always be like oh you need to like put your like legs under desk I'm like they literally they can't fit yeah. like what's going on so we did that for like an entire semester where she was just screaming at me. Then one day she comes over, she like picks me up, grabs my legs and like pushes them under the desk. No. To the point where literally like the desk is an inch off the ground. So I was, you know, I was not, oops, I was not like feeling that. Yeah. Got up, I threw the chair at her. I was like, girl, <gasps> stop it. Like, just, you're pissing me off. Just yes. stop. Like, this is outrageous. Um, And you know, that's when she told me I would never amount to shit. I'd be 16 and pregnant, like every other girl in the neighborhood, all that. Um, That's horrible. And I said, okay. Literally, I said, okay to her. Um, That was 2011, 2012. Yeah. I held on to that until literally, like, I was a senior in high school. And, you know, I went to, like, a pretty good public high school in the city. Yeah. Um, For people who aren't from New York, we 
have about 500 high schools in the city and you apply to high school. So you have to have like wow, the best grades. Yeah, like it's very intense. Like, and if you don't end up at a good high school, like your chances do get really slim because a lot of schools are, there'll be schools where like they don't even have gyms or auditoriums, like schools wow. where textbooks are like 15 years old. <laughs> wow, I did not know <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, it's like, it's really intense. You can't just like walk into a high school and register your kid. Yeah, it's like not a thing here. Like even like for lower grades, it's not a thing. And that makes me like wonder like how that probably affects brown and black girls oh 100 percent. like the overwhelm like when i tell you the overwhelming majority of people that i grew up with in east new york like do not have like any type of education past 12th grade because the state of new york mandates you like you have to stay in school until you're 16 at least um and when you're 16 you can get parent permission to drop out but exactly so it's like basically setting you up to fail exactly so if your parents say okay cool you can drop out you get a ged like the school has no choice but to let you go and then you can stay in public school until you're 21 the day you turn 21 they age you out and they're like sorry like you need to go get a GED you need to figure it out yeah so most of like my childhood friends like kids who I played with Mm -hmm. never saw like education past the 12th grade which is unfortunate but like also product of circumstances like you know obviously to achieve a college education it's much more likely if you have a parent that's college educated or if you have a parent who like makes a certain amount of money yeah but yeah so I held on to that until I was like I think I was almost 18 (laughs) and I applied like literally only applied to colleges that were ranked in the top 20 on U.S. News and World Report I was like so cocky about it in high school I just be like oh like she's not gonna get in I'll be like but you got now what two hit wonder you have to be yes (laughs) literally two hit wonder I was delusional um so I got into Vanderbilt got a full ride to Vanderbilt through Posse Foundation and something in the back of my mind in 2016 was like go tell Miss Collins (laughs) go tell her so I went back to my middle school visited all my teachers Mm -hmm. I was like hey you know and I had this one teacher Miss Baldwin she was like she always believed in me, like loved yeah. her down. She was great. Yeah. So like went to go see her and I went to Miss Collins and she was in the middle of teaching a class. And I was like, hi, like, do you remember me? And she was like, she just looked like what? And I was like, OK, I remember you because on like December 13th of 2011, right before we had the Christmas party. Yeah. This is what you told me. And I like literally told her word for word. I was like, you told me that I was worthless, that I would never count to anything, that I would never amount to anything, that I would be 16 and pregnant. And I was like, OK, well, here's what I did. I have no children. I don't have any plans to have children for at least another 10 years. Yes. But I just got into Vanderbilt University. Period. Full ride. Number 13 school in the country. Period. So you were wrong. Just wanted to let you know that. And then when I graduated, like literally May 8th of 2020. Yeah. Because she was a little slick with it. When yeah. When I went back, she was like, okay, we'll see. And I was like, all right, cool. So when I graduated in 2020, I emailed her little schools.nyc.gov email. Yeah. And I was like, and by the way, I just graduated with honor. Period. Honors. Girl, fuck you. Like, so, Period. You know, best wishes to her. And I feel like, honestly, to be fully transparent, I can definitely 1000% relate to that because I feel like a lot of times black women, we are forced to persevere because of someone telling us we can't do something. No, that's a fact. Like, truly, if that lady had never told me that, I don't think I would have had the job that I had. Like, I was always like a smart kid, like pretty You already knew you were going to be great, but but you were like, like, I gotta. That was like my villain origin story. It was like my revenge. So I was like, oh, like, this is crazy. And hilariously, um, there was a girl who I went to middle school with who um we were from like the same country so like our parents were both like immigrants Mm -hmm. all that um she was a later in life immigrant so she immigrated when she was about like 10 so yeah sixth grade kind of situation and she was always like the smartest girl in the class and me and her we were always competing yeah and teachers had a really big preference towards her and I would see it and it would piss me off so bad yeah um so around that time that's like she gets into like every Ivy League school she's obviously a very smart girl and I have so much love for her and truly like appreciate the competition that we had but when you're 12 and you know a teacher is pitting you against someone else who is pretty much exactly like you like it kind of like fucks with your self-esteem a little bit so this woman she she just like put something in me. It was like a fire in my stomach. Yeah. I was just like, you know what, girl, fuck you. Like, I'm going to win and yes. I'm going to come back. And it's hilarious because the last time I ever saw her, it was like 2018, I think. Mm-hmm. And I was in the neighborhood I grew up in. I was getting on the C train at Liberty Avenue and I saw her there and she didn't have a Metro card. And she was asking people to swipe her in. She'd get on the train. Wow. Like, you know what happens to the best of us? You leave your Metro card at home. But I saw her and I was like, aw. Boogie, we help. She was like, oh my God, hello. And I was like, "Mm, sorry, I don't have it. Swiped my card and just went downstairs because I was like, I'm not helping you. Like, I remember what you told me. 
and you at the time she was like 45 and i was 12 it's like that's crazy how are you comfortable speaking to a child like this so and karma is very 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 real karma's on my side and i'm honestly i applaud you because that's that's really why i love your content because you just like have a voice and you use it and i feel like sometimes you know, me personally, I'm I recently am just now learning how to find my voice because oh, you got to speak up. We got to speak up because sometimes I think we tend to sink in and then them pinning you against another person that looks like you. That tokenization, there can only mm-hmm. be one when there's like enough room at the table for all of us. Yeah, it was definitely. It was weird. And hilariously, I, I didn't see that girl like after we graduated from yeah. school. I didn't see her again until. 2019 so about seven years later and she went to harvard yeah and i was like in boston for a week and i went to a party that was thrown by someone who went to harvard yeah and we ran into each other and we were talking about the whole situation and i was like it's really crazy because in reality like she could have been my friend when we were children Mm -hmm. like we could have been very close we could have had a great relationship but i i wouldn't say i disliked her but it was more so like I hated being compared to her to the point where it like didn't allow us to develop a friendship when we were children. So only now that, you know, we're adults, it's like when I see her, it's all love. Like she's in med school. I'm like, yeah, continuously rooting for her, obviously. But like, I truly wish we were able to have that relationship when we were kids. But, you know, we had terrible teachers who just like pinned all against each yeah, other who just weren't great to us so wow i i like that you said that um i recently well for la- last season i had my sister come on and we were having a conversation about how we lived in just such a competitive household where we didn't even get to have a relationship and we had how to much ask old, is her, she older or younger she's younger uh-huh. she's like i have two sisters i have one that's um a year old year younger than me we don't really have a close relationship because of that competitiveness yeah. and we had to ask ourselves like damn are we war buddies or are we actually sisters because yeah. sometimes they don't we don't really have room to enjoy each other's company no, because we're operating from surviving we're operating from doing it for our family we're operating for doing it no i for feel us. that i feel like prior to i would say age 18 like Mm -hmm. a lot of the relationships that I had with black women in my education was almost always rooted in like being competitive um yeah which is unfortunate because like you know in high school I went to predominantly white high school went to Forest Hills and Queens it's like a little over 4,000 kids so really big school um predominantly white and predominantly like eastern European wow so (laughs) there weren't that many black kids yeah but also within the black kids, like, you know, I was in like honors, AP, like yeah. max, maybe one or two other like black kids I could see in each class. So you would make friends with someone and you guys could have a great relationship. But then like inside the confines of that school, it's hyper competitive because it's like, OK, there can only you know, be one. There can only be one of us. Like only one person can yep. get this thing. Like only one person can, you know, walk across the stage the most times at awards night. Only one person can get into the best school like it just got to the point where it was like, damn, like these aren't even relationships. Like I realized very early in the game, I would say probably like sophomore year of high school, that a lot of the friendships I was making in high school would not be able to last past like graduation because of how hyper competitive we were. I was like, this will not, this will not end yeah when we go to college because we might go to different schools but it's still going to be like okay who's on dean's list who's doing this who's doing that and it's just so exhausting and it's like i don't i can't do this so i feel like i maybe talked to like three or four girls who Uh i went to high school with um and they're literally the only three or four where we never had those like competitive moments because one of my closest friends from high school like we would literally study like um so for context in new york we have this thing called regents Mm -hmm. so like in high school you have to take i think it's like a five or six of them to graduate it proves us like you're competent like the standard subjects like english science all that um and i remember we were studying for the chemistry regents which is like notoriously one of the most failed ones it's like 30 percent of the kids who take it on the first chance um on the first try actually pass wow and we're studying in my in like my house and we had taken the algebra two trigonometry region a week prior. We get our grades back. Literally, one of my friends texts me. He's like, um, I just got like, he's like, the grades are out. Like, you should go check. So we both, you know, open up our computers. We start typing. Yeah. She got a 93. I got a 92. Yeah. She's like, oh, my God, like I told you. And I'm just like, mm, OK, I got some for that ass. Like, 
I got yeah. some for that. So like I'm coming back and I'm gonna get a higher score than you on chemistry. Yeah. So when she left my house and she was like, Oh yeah, like I'm gonna go get some pizza, I'm gonna go do this, I'm gonna do that. I was like, Okay, you have fun, like go enjoy yourself, you know, three days before this test. The next 72 hours, I was an animal on chemistry. Yeah. I was like memorizing everything, knowing yeah. everything. Like to the point where I was like, wow, like this one point, the hard 93 to my 92, which looking back on in 2023 it means nothing absolutely yeah. nothing now but that one point set me off so bad that i had to make sure that i got her by two points on the next step yeah and it's just like we shouldn't have these kind of like relationships with yeah. people who are our friends so it, it just wasn't it wasn't great do you like because i i feel like i've i do this sometimes and i have to really check myself do you ever feel like sometimes you can contribute your success to your self-worth oh for sure 100 percent. hilariously um my therapist recently told me i gotta pull my shit together yeah. because i have spent so much of my life like being the best yes so i was explaining to her i was like you know like i'm not working like a corporate job anymore and i was like i'm struggling because like i know that i'm a successful creator like i'm good at what i do i generate enough income like there are strangers out there who love me but like is this the best I can be doing? And she was like, I need to calm the fuck down. Like, yeah. you need to relax. Because it's like, I, you know, K to 12, it's like, okay, am I the smartest person here? Like, you know, am I graduating near the top of my class in college? It's like, are you in the best orgs? Are you, you know, on the dean's list? Are you getting the best internships? Yeah. Which like, I was doing all of those things. And it's like, I went to work at a company that's like hyper visible that like, you know, a lot of people are really want to do. And it's like, damn, then it's like you become a content creator. That's also something that's like relatively enviable, you know, for a yes. lot of folks. And it's like, I had to sit down and think to myself, like, okay, what is this obsession with the best? Like, what what is this doing to you? Yeah. Because do you need to be the best or can you just do your best? Because in reality, being the best is like, it's stressful. It's like causes it's anxiety. Like, it stresses you out. And it's just like... Girl, you need to relax. Like, I have to, like, really tell myself, like, girl, chill the fuck you need out. To calm like, down. Yeah. Be yeah. easy. Go outside. Take a walk. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, Calm yeah. down. Yeah. Because there were things, especially, like, when I was working, where, like, mm-hmm. like, right after my 24th birthday, so it was, like, last September, I had, like, a full breakdown because of my job. Because it was, like, I was working on a team that was severely understaffed. I was doing the work of multiple people. And then I wasn't getting recognized for it. So just be like, oh, this was great. And it's like, what do you mean this was great? This was exceptional. It wasn't yes, great. Like, yes. I just did two other people's jobs. And you like, you're not, you know, giving me my credit for it. And it just kind of got to the point where I was like, damn, this is wild. So I ended up, like, taking leave. I, like, took a few weeks off. And I was just like, I can't do this. And hilariously, my, I was asked to come back early from my leave um, because the team was so understaffed. Damn, you couldn't even relax. Yeah, just to get laid off two weeks later. I was wow. like... Y'all didn't need me for this. Yeah. <laughs> like, y'all could have did this. Y'all could have did this. You'd be all right. Wow. Yeah. I've been watching, like, I really do like how vulnerable you are on your platform. Like, the Google laid off, like, day in the life being laid off, like, watching those videos, that transparency, that vulnerability, because a lot of people aren't, you know, you meet a lot of content creators, a lot of influencers who will present themselves as one way and be completely different yeah. when you meet them in person. I'm the same bitch. Through yeah, period. <laughs> I ain't switching same, it up. And I feel like when you be vulnerable and you show who you are and you showcase, like, your your highs and your lows, can't nobody really say shit. Because Honestly, it's like you I can't struggle really... with that because really? here's the thing. When I... One, I found out about layoffs because someone commented on my TikTok. Mm-hmm. So I had just woken up in the morning. Someone commented. They were like, I just heard about Google layoffs. I hope you're safe. And hilariously, I was trying to like open my computer to do something that I'd forgotten to do the night before. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, am I laid off? So I started looking through my email and I see that I am laid off. So I filtered the word layoffs in my comment because I was like, hold on. Like, I, <laughs> I need some time to see, like, yeah. what the hell is going on? Yeah. Because at the time... I had an open HR investigation against someone who was harassing me. So part of me kind of thought like, That's probably, am I yeah. being let go because I raised a complaint? Yeah. So I was like, let me just investigate before I even address this. And I've always been like, if anything happens to my job, like LinkedIn is always going to be the place I go to first. Cause it's like, yeah, hey, y'all got laid off. Like, Oh, yikes. Um, but hilariously someone had like made a Reddit thread yeah. where they were talking about it. And I truly tried not to engage with like, 
directed hate comments towards me. But what? one of my friends... They made a whole entire Reddit thing about you? Yeah, it was like a little like thread on like this like... Because in New York, there's like a Reddit page where people talk about um like the influencers they like, they don't like, and so forth. Um, And someone posted, they were like, she got laid off. And literally like my friend sent it to me because she's in this like subreddit um or whatever. And I was just like, okay. And it was like the first time in a year, I would say that I actually sat down and like read hateful things about me. And people were like, oh, my God, like, she's like, she's going to go broke because she's going to move back in with her mom. Like, you know, like, lifestyle inflation is going to lie. I was like, first and foremost, like, I was working for health insurance. Like, yeah. I liked my job, but, like, the primary benefit was just comprehensive health insurance. And yeah. that is the biggest thing I'm going to be missing because Vyvanse costs $400 every month. Yeah. And ADHD is kicking my ass. But it was just crazy to kind of see those things where I was like, damn, like, I don't want to be vulnerable with y'all because the minute I sat down and I shared something, they try, they pull you. It's apart. like, yeah, it's like you're pulling me apart. And it's like, damn, like, this is why, like, for example, like I was dating someone for like a year and a half, like yeah. never once posted that man. Cause it's like, yeah, the cons, like I consented yeah. to being on the internet, but he didn't. Yeah. And I see it now where like I have friends, mutuals who, you know, like they'll take a guy somewhere and it'll be like, oh my God, who's that? Like, literally like two months ago i was hanging out with one of my friends um and he's also a creator and we just posted like a quick little story together and for like two weeks his comments were like are y'all dating wow. i was like that boy ain't even sniff my breeze that boy ain't ever been near me <laughs> <laughs> he ain't never been near me like this is a friend yeah but you know i think like there's limits to it because there are things where i'm like i really want to share this but then i get so nervous because i'm like people are this could come back and really bite me in the ass because the last thing i would want is to be dating someone like posting them and then people are sitting on reddit you know going revealing personal information about someone who like i see it would just be like damn like that's upsetting you know what's been so interesting to me about um just content creating is like sometimes the most hate comments actually come from people that look like us who that that messed me up so bad because i'm like this is kumbaya we're all in this together that's literally that's what i would always like think about you know you know we talked about colorism tokenization all those things light skin privilege take all of that into account know it's fully there know it's a real thing but i remember when i started doing tiktok and some of my stuff would go so viral Mm -hmm the con like the comments that i would read through most of the time it lands on the right side but when it doesn't a Mm -hmm. lot of times it's people that look like me that are badgering me and i think that was like the reality that really like kind of shook me because we already know why people are going to say stuff no that's the thing like i i am so there's not a white woman alive who can say something that can truly hurt my feelings. Exactly. And that's because what I mean. I've been there and I've done that. Yes. But when mm-hmm. a black person says it, I'd be like, damn. damn. Like, it's like, geez, like, damn, why would you say, say that, that to me? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm probably going to go sit up and think about this. No, literally. Case. There are things that people have said about me um, that have really just like rocked me to my yeah. core where I've been like, damn, like that's like crazy. to the point where like, you know, I'm calling my best friend. I'm like crying yes. on the phone to her or like at the time, like, you know, calling my man like, oh, my God, like, you know, like yeah. freaking the fuck out. And it's like it's unfortunate because a lot of these people like they let those comments fly. Like one time I did a video where I rated my hate comments um, where I was like mm, five out of ten, not original. And it's like it's fun to laugh at those things. But some of the things that people say about you, it's like, oh, shit, like. You don't really think like I never once sat down and was like, oh, my God, I need to lose weight until bitches sat on Reddit and dropped like 10 comments about how I've gained like 30 pounds. And it's like, yeah, girl, I did. I was depressed. That man was trying to kill me. Period. That man was trying to take me out. He was terrorizing me like cut a bitch some slack, (laughs) you know. So it's like things like that. Like people, it's like so the the hyper visibility of creating content and this is by no means to say i'm like a famous bitch because i really don't feel like i am but like but the content space for black women is so it's so small we all see exactly that we all know each other like when i think about creators like people i hang up people who are at my birthday parties like it's like half of these people are people who i met on tiktok people i've been friends with for like two three years and it's like damn you know this this is kind of small and it's like you can make content that's so original for you but then someone can sit down and be like, oh, well, I feel like you copied me. 
And it's like, have you ever considered that we have the exact same set of circumstances? Like, have you ever yes, considered that? Yes. Like, we're both black women making this content. Like, yes. you know, black girl luxury. A black girl luxury. We're like, all doing same it. type of job, same type of university yes. education. Like, we're all the same yes. person. PWIs, exactly. These schools, because I always say this: like, eighty percent of the general population is white people, and there's a yeah. very small percentile of us. And on an app like TikTok and on social media. Black women, in order for us to nine times out of 10 go viral, we have to do something grand mm -hmm. like working on Wall Street as a black woman, you working for Google, yeah. black girl you have luxury. to be you so can't spectacular. Just... And yes. it's funny because this is no shade to Alex Earl. I enjoy some of the videos. Yes. I feel like mm -hmm, this is fun. She's, she's yes. really crazy. <laughs> but I think to myself, like, she recently posted a video where I, I think she's on like spring break or something in Nashville. And I went to college uh -huh. in Nashville. And I guess she's like in her hotel and there's like vomit all over her bed. Oh my and, you know, God. She, she just had a rough night that night. I get it. You know, sometimes you black out, you wake up, you got to clean. And it's like, ah, oh, shit. I think to myself, if Monet McMichael posted that video, <laughs> will come for if her. Clark posted that video, if I her. posted that video, it would be like, you're a sloppy ass bitch. Like yes. those would be the comments. It wouldn't be, oh my God, you're so relatable. Yes. Because like I said, I like the content, but what is relatable about this white woman that's what I'm like yep okay she's skinny she's beautiful blonde she's blonde she's incredibly eyes. wealthy what is relatable about that because y'all will sit down and say you I, you're not relatable i'm not relatable just because you know we made a little money or just because yep. you know you went to a high learning university or, say or you're like too uppity or exactly and it's like so gotta, how uh... how is this woman relatable like explain it to me because when i watch the videos I see aspirational content. It's not relatable. This girl is jet-setting across the country. She's yep. living her best life. Yep. Like, she's... I mean, like, realistically, yeah. every white woman I went to school with, every white woman I went to college with. And it's just like, okay, but, break but it down for me. But what's the why? What's the Yeah, I was like, it? these marketing gurus are like, this is why she grew so quick. I was like, no. No. She grew so quick she's white. And she meets... She checks the box of every single beauty standard. Exactly. Because when I think about something like that, like, if I posted a video like that, uh -huh. I would no longer be brand safe. Like, you know, a brand yeah. that I would want to work with wouldn't want to work with me. Facts. Because they would see that. Meanwhile, with her, it's, you know, it's part of the package. And it's just like, that's but weird. Why? I feel like white people go to extreme lengths to be relatable in a very weird way. And I saw this one post and this guy, I forgot his name, but I need to I need to figure him out. But um, not figure him out, figure out what he posted. But he made this post and he talked about it's interesting to see who gets to be ugly. But then I thought about it's also interesting to see who gets to be dirty. And he also talks about how sometimes white people and white people like People that are doing well, Julia Fox, Emma Chamberlain, Alex Earl, things like that, they'll do certain things to appear more relatable to the blacker audience or just the audience in general. Like Emma Chamberlain, he talked about Emma Chamberlain, like she's beautiful, whatever, but she can go on camera farting, burping, do whatever the fuck she wants to oh, do. Oh, that's but a if fact. Beyonce does it, it's it's Beyonce. If Beyonce does it, we're gonna call her ghetto, we're gonna call her ratchet, yeah. we're gonna say all these things about her. And then I really like the point that he was saying because he basically was just he basically was just like kind of talking about how there is a certain level of standard that black women have to be held up to. And I remember when Julia Fox like did a tour of her apartment. I hit the <laughs> I hit the unfollow button because I did tell us like girl. I had to hit the, I had to hit the unfollow button. The reason why I've hit the unfollow button is because sometimes white people will do anything to be relatable like showing your dirty apartment to me that's microaggression to microaggressive to me because it's like at this point now i almost feel like you are just you're playing in my face you're playing in my face and then when i think about the stigma behind being a black woman um ghetto loud dirty no it's insane like i had a video like this was in 2021 yeah randomly made a video to like a sound that was trending at the time uh-huh i'm in my house yes i'm not slicking my edges back if i'm in my house Ooh, people me, are in the comments they're like comment. yeah. oh so you're not gonna take your edges you're not gonna do this no i'm not you know why because i live here and i pay the bills and if you want me to do that come in here and do come in here and do it for me Fact. but it's just like why like what is the issue because had a white woman had a messy bun Y'all had tutorials on YouTube trying to how teach to do you a messy how to do this shit. Girl, speak God forbid it. I slick, I put my hair up in a bun and yeah. I don't slick my edges back. And you're sitting here telling me like, I'm an unkempt woman. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And it's like, 
I live here. Facts. I live here. And if, if I want to go outside without like my edges done, I feel like I'm entitled to do so. It's just outrageous. Like it's like the policing is crazy. But one thing I hate about the policing is that it's becoming mainstream. People are picking up on yes. some of the shit that's supposed to be just for us. Yes. Like they'll be like, like white people be like, oh my God, your edges or your baby hairs. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. What are you doing here, Molly Mae? Like, I'm like, <laughs> not Molly Mae. No, I was like, what are you? I love me some Molly Mae. I love me some Molly Mae. <laughs> but it's just like, what are you? What, what are you doing here, Samantha? Like, you know, it's no, just like, no fact. You're not supposed to know this. Yes. You're not supposed to know this. Like, why do you know? We need to start gatekeeping. Facts. We, we do back. need to start gatekeeping. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you this question. Um, how do you show self compassion for yourself? Ooh. Like, Honestly, I feel like I don't. Really? Like, I feel like very rarely am I able to, like, until my friends, like, or, like, my therapist kind of put it into perspective. Like, mm -hmm. the day before I got laid off, I got um, breakfast with, like, my former manager at the company. And him and I were talking, and I was telling him, I was like, I feel like if, like, I'm just, like, so behind for my age group. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, yeah, like, I'm about to be 25. Like, when I was 15... I swore that by the time I was 25, I would be, like, a multimillionaire. I would be married. Yeah. I would do all these things. Like, I ain't even had my first mill yet. Like, yeah. I am single like a Pringle. Like, all <laughs> these things. So I'm like, damn, I really wish, like, I was doing this, 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 and this. And to be fair, when you're 15, 25 feels super far away. In hindsight, if I had thought about 25 as three years post a college graduation, it would have probably put a lot more things into perspective for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my manager, he was like, what do you mean? He's like, you, you work here, you have a side hustle that's like yeah. so successful. He's like, you have strangers who enjoy watching you, like your family who love you, your yep. friends think you're great. Like, girl, shut up. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, I know you're totally right. And it's like, sometimes you don't realize that when you're complaining about yourself to yourself mm. if you put it into perspective in comparison to everything else it's like girl stop complaining like ease up you've done Isa. amazing things exactly and it's like i feel like i struggle to do that again like i said earlier like the whole you know you want to be the best kind of thing where it's yeah. like it's very hard to not compare yourself yeah. to other people specifically in content yeah where and anyone who says they haven't compared themselves they're lying yep they're lying through their teeth. Especially, like, like I'm signed to Kensington Gray. Like, that's, you know, all black women. Like, black women-owned agency. Everyone who's signed is mm -hmm. a black person. And it's really easy to look at a creator who, you know, you have admired for years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, see them hit a million, two, mm -hmm. three, four, five. And be like, damn, like, why isn't that happening for me? And then you sit down and you just think it's like, okay, but, like, there are people who are looking at you wishing they could have 200K. Yeah. So it's like, girl, calm down, <laughs> you know, For like, real. like everybody got to start somewhere. But I feel like it's hard to put that into perspective when you just want to, you know, shit on yourself. Facts. And I, I, I feel like sometimes we as like black women and women of color, like we are oftentimes forced to operate from a place of survival. Like we are survival mode is embedded oh, sure. early on. Like some of our earliest conversations as kids is basically like don't you know be you but don't be too black don't be yeah don't, don't be, be too, too much, much. Don't, don't be too, too much, much. so yeah. it's just like we are already programmed to be a much more watered down version of ourselves so on that path of of discovering ourselves we also have to learn how to love ourselves opposed to you know a white person next to us who isn't forced to water themselves down like there's a lot of there's a yeah. lot of nuances and a lot of yeah. layers that comes with us growing up because we are developing into like these young women and stuff and we don't get to sit down and smell the roses and look around no, and see I what's agree. going on around like, us i think about it like um when i was in college i was in a sorority <sighs> jesus christ like that in itself just feels like a fever dream to have done that that's wild to me girl <laughs> were you an aka no, girl. I was in Kappa Kappa Gamma. Like I was, I was with the white women. Oh my and gosh, Bria came on, and I, I think Bria was. Yeah, she was a Kappa. Kappa yeah. She oh my god. Um, and hilarious. Like my closest friends in the sorority were other women of color, like Asian yeah. women, Hispanic women, black women. And one of my friends, um, she's black. She's a year younger. She came to my apartment, and we were just like talking the other day, and she was like, "Sometimes I think about." how much like my personality had to be toned down mm. to be like normal for these women and like 
I remember I was a junior. I was like running mm-hmm. for president of the organization, got selected. So for context, how it works is like you write an application and then the executive board kind of picks their favorites, puts it forward, and anyone can contest the nomination. And this was years ago. This was 2018, so five years ago. But yeah. Um, you know, I got the nomination and then this girl, she contested it and she won. I was studying abroad at the time, so I would have been yeah. coming back to serve my term. And the things that were said about me during, you know, those like two weeks where that was happening, where it's like, she's aggressive, like she's this, she's that. Like I remember one time it was like, she's a drug addict. Like I smoked a little bit of weed. You bitches do coke. For real. Like in Vanderbilt is in Tennessee, right? Yeah. So I was just like, what are yeah. you saying to me? You know, like some of the things that were being said about me was like su- such coded, like racial language. Microaggression. And that was the day I kind of resolved, like, I don't really fuck with y'all like that. Like, I would say out of the 160 girls who were in that chapter, if I negate, you know, the 15 people of color, there's maybe seven or eight people who, when I see them, it's truly like love. It's like we are friends and I have so much love for you. But I feel like being a bystander in situations like that, like, showed me a lot and there's this one girl she was a year older um her name's Dahlia like love her dearly Dahlia was like one of the few people to like kind of clock people and be like you don't think that's a little racist yeah he was like you don't think that's weird like that that's abnormal that you know this is what you're saying about this like the one black woman that we have she's like that's not weird to you yeah and like it really made me think I was like damn like this is crazy this is some snake shit and it's like it really put it into perspective because that was me operating at 50% of my personality. Like, had it been 100%, like, would I have even been in that organization? Yeah. Would I have even been deemed valuable enough in this circumstance, like, in this situation to have these particular set of circumstances? Because, like, Vanderbilt, you know, incredibly segregated university. Like, it's either you're with Black Vandy or you're with everyone else. And, like, I don't know what it is like now, but in 2016, it was like super, super like racially charged. Like my best friend from college is the white girl who lived next door to me. Wow. Yeah. And people would get on me. They would be like, like, for example, like because she was my friend, Mm -hmm. she made friends with a lot of black people to the point where by the time she graduated, the overwhelming majority of her friends were black. Um, This one person, I won't name names. They're also a creator on TikTok who has like a decent amount of followers. I'm not really trying to get too crazy, but um, (laughs) he had pretty much said like, oh, and you bring white people into black spaces. And I said, whoa, whoa. Somebody's friend came to their probate. Like if we're at an alpha probate. Yeah. And she's also friends with this person. Why would she not come? Like, let's just use our brains for like two seconds. And it just kind of got to the point where I was like, damn, like. I can't exist. You ha- you can't you you can't exist between two spaces. Yeah, and it's like, and I don't want to be one of the like, too white for the black kids, too black for the white kids. Like that that's some bullshit to me because I'm I'm with the black kids. Like I'm, yeah. I'm objectively with the black kids because I'm black. But there's like a deciding factor. Yeah, there's like specifically in environments like, I feel like this is very siloed in like PWI environments because I don't experience things like this in the real world yeah. when you know everyone is working or everyone's doing things like. I am not experiencing that. Like, that's not yeah. possible. But, um, you know, when you're in a, a college, when you're, like, 18 and you're having these interactions, like, they really do shape how you interact with everyone else yeah. for the rest of those four years. And, like, you know, I had a girl, like, three days into freshman year. Like, I remember moving in, the girl who lived across the hall from me. Yeah. She was white. She was like, hey, like, do you want to come out with me tonight? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm just trying to, like, make a friend. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know nobody. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll, totally, I'll come with you. You know, and then two days later, I went to an event at like the black fraternity house um, because I had met this fine ass man like on the first day. <laughs> he was so fine. <laughs> he was so fine, girl. And he um, invited me like his frat was having something. He's like, you should come through. Like, we'd love yeah. to see you. I was like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, I'm 18 yeah. and it's fine. 22 yeah, year old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up? Like, what's up? <laughs> um, and this one girl, like, Never knew her, never mm-hmm. spoke to her. That was the first day I ever spoke to her. Yeah. She literally goes, why aren't you with your white friends? Keep in mind, we are four days oh, into wow. freshman year. And I was like, girl, what are you talking about? And she was like, yeah, because, you know, you went out to this bar with your white friends. And I'm like, did y'all stay inside that night? Yeah. I had to catch myself. I was like, w-? like, 
because it felt like our entire freshman class was at that bar. So yeah. I was just like, oh, okay, like, cool. And I just kind of, like, turned my head. And I remember, like, going home and calling my mom and, like, telling her about the situation. And she was like, you have to give people grace when they're, like, when these kind of environments are new to them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? That's and she's like, you've been, she's like, you've been educated in PWIs for, you know, the overwhelming majority of your life. Like, you understand that. Like, being from New York, I feel like, even when I was at the whitest of the white school, like my friend group was always really diverse. But she was like, a lot of people aren't having that experience. Like this is the first time they've ever been in an educational environment where they aren't the majority. So like give people grace. And I gave that girl grace up until I stopped giving her grace. Cause it was kind of, it was like, all right, all right, you're pushing it now. (laughs) You're pushing it. Like You're pushing it. But you know, it's like when I had to think about things like that, I was like, damn, like this is really an unfortunate like reality. So Mm -hmm. it's best that I be kind about this. But like, it was upsetting because it's like, damn, like, are you not viewing me as like, you know, a good enough black person to be here? Yeah. Meanwhile, this fine ass man invited me here. He thought I was a good enough black person. So. Yeah, period. And like, sometimes you just got to. I feel like you got to give people a chance. And I feel like that's something that you do. But and that's why I always talk about exposure is just so important. Like if you're mm-hmm. not exposed to things, you probably won't fully understand like i remember when i had went because i went to american in dc oh my god and wait what year did you graduate why did i have to think about it girl oh i graduated in 2018 do you know laurel cook she's 2019 maybe i don't know maybe i was very to myself okay Um, like not feel like i was i was depressed most of my time in in college like for real so like (laughs) they were trying to kill me that's what i'm saying i like sunk inward but i remember so my my background is I grew up with a mom that didn't have a lot. So Same. we I, I experienced like a lot of homelessness growing up. So my mom would strategically put me at schools with a bunch of rich ass white kids. I would be the only one. Even the black kids at my high school would have money. And then I would have to go home to a hotel or wherever we were staying. So I, I was always split between these two worlds. And there's something you talked about when you said I didn't even know how to exist. No, I didn't. And and because I was at rich ass schools and I was yes. going back to the hood with like, and the thing is, there's also a really interesting factor because since my parents are immigrants, uh huh, they're I can't speak for everyone's like black immigrant family, but specifically like in my existence, it's always like, you know, don't be friend with don't be friends with that person because they're this 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 and this like no context, just like who they are and where they're from. Yeah, yeah. So like, my mom had, I don't want to say like. You know, she had like a controlling interest yes. in who I was hanging out with. Yes. So it would be like I would go to school and I would make friends with these amazing kids, super smart. And then I would come home and it would be like, you could not be friends with that girl who lives two houses down because her mother does this, 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 and this. And this girl's older sister is 15 and she's pregnant. And it's like, no. A lot of control. A lot of control. So yeah. it's like, in hindsight, like some of it was beneficial. Like, for example, when I was um. Growing up, my grandma, like, she ran a daycare. Yeah. Um, and there's this one girl. We were so close, like, best of friends. Mm-hmm. And then when we were 16, she got pregnant. Wow. My mom looked me down my face. She was like, you cannot talk to that girl. That girl's not your friend. She was like, let that shit go because you cannot think that that's okay. In hindsight, mm. that's really harsh to say about a child. Like, you know, like, I don't think any 16-year-old wakes up and is like, I truly want to be someone's mom today. Like, But, but there's the, still exactly. that exposure exactly. and who you're around and who you gravitate and choose to be around. Like, yeah. your My environment mom was, is so important. Yeah, she was very, show me who your friends are, I'll show you who you are kind of person. Ooh. So she wasn't having that. Um, so I remember, you know, I was working, like, a little summer job. Like, and at the time, I'm in New York, it was, like, $7. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to Cookies, which, you know, for the listeners who are from New York, it's, like, yeah. the uniform superstore. You know, yeah, you go yeah, there, yeah, you yeah. get, you can get, like, uniforms for your kids, like, baby clothes, stuff like that. Like, it's, like, a low-cost store. But, you know, I maybe had, like, $100. I, like, bought stuff for this girl and her baby. And I went to her baby shower. It was kind of, like, the last thing. I was, like, no, mom. Like, she's she's fine. Please. I went to her baby shower and I gave her the gifts and she rejected the gifts because she felt they were too cheap. Keep in mind, it's all the money that I got. <laughs> like, you know, I'm a child. I don't have any and money. And she don't really have a... She, That's what I'm saying. I was like, you don't really got much. But her baby daddy was considerably older than her, which again, like, she is the victim flag. in this yeah. situation. Objectively, she is red the victim flag, yeah. for that man to be 28 years old, having a child with a 16-year-old. Like, she what? was the victim. But... When that happened, I was kind of like, you know, my mom was right. I don't need to be your friend, bitch. <laughs> like, and I just yeah. kept pushing. Now, when I look back on it, like, we have talked, you know, now, like, I think our kid's like seven or eight. Um, 
know, we've talked and she's been like, yeah, you know, like, I'm really sorry about all that. And, you know, I apologize myself because I was like, you needed help. And like, I, you know, wasn't there for you. But also I should not have been the person. You're also a child. To be helping too. you because I'm also a child. Like, yeah. there should be parents yeah. in this situation for this. And it just like makes me think because when I talk to some of my friends, like there, there are a lot of kids who I met in college who are what you kind of call like the privileged poor. There's this book where it talks about like poor kids who go to elite educational like Ooh, I'm gonna things. Yeah, it's a good book. Um, and it talks about how like these kids, they don't have money, but because their formative years are spent pretty much around the 1%, they adopt a lot of the habits of the 1%. So then they seek out children who are the same as them. Yeah. So a lot of my friends are kids who, you know, went like kindergarten to eighth grade in public school and then they go to mm -hmm. boarding school or they go to, like the best private school in new york or like a specialized high school mm -hmm. things like that and then go on to a highly ranked university and i was talking to one of my friends about this yesterday where i was telling her i was like how different would our lives have been if we didn't have the parents that we had like having a parent who can you know vouch for you and be your advocate in your educational experiences is really important because i've had moments where my mom has looked at like a conduct report or like a report card and been like, mm, something's off. I'm going to school tomorrow. Or like, yeah. you know, my mom knowing like things about like high school applications, college applications that benefited me. Like, yeah, I know a lot of people who were so bright and so smart, like, yeah, and they just didn't have that. And like things turned out super so differently because yeah. they just didn't have that access. And it's like, okay, sure. They might've gone to college, but like, that's having a parent who can vouch for you like that is the difference between you knowing about something like a posse mm -hmm. which is like what I did like the posse foundation where like you're like okay cool I can do this and I can get full tuition at a really good college versus like going to like the University of Albany which is like one of our state schools great school but 50,000 kids and the graduation rate is like 70 percent yeah so it's like it's really easy to fall through the cracks yes. in a situation like that when something is so large and it's I'm very thankful yeah for the educational experiences that I've had but also like sometimes I feel like survivor's guilt in comparison to a lot of like my childhood friends so I'm like damn like I feel like survivor's guilt uh, within my family like really oh bad. Sam for sure like very bad like when I was at my PWI um when I was at American I really struggled because most of the kids I went to school with were black kids that had money mm. and when my mom dropped me off at school she was like this is $20 this is all I can give you no. And so a lot of it, like the last the last guest we had on, I talked about like being like a pioneering woman. And when you're pioneering something, there will be a lot of loneliness. So okay. I, I really struggled belonging and I had to and I'm still learning how to create a space for myself where I can simply exist. Because there's, like, a lot of factors when you're breaking off a generational trauma, generational curses. Oh, like, your mom was probably so strict on you because she says, uh-uh, we did not come all the way over here. No, that's literally. Be. Yes. Like, like, I heard that so many times yes. from my childhood. She was like, I did not immigrate to this country for you to play around with, like, yes. being American. She's like, no, yes. <laughs> like, you got to pull it together. But even within that, like, I think about, like, my mom, wonderful lady, love her. Yeah. Down, but, like, yeah. my dad was, like, the most inactive parent. Like, mm, yeah. you know, they split up when I was young. Like, we don't really have a relationship. And it's really interesting because a lot of the things that my father did when I was a child, mm -hmm. like, when I, like, when men my age do it to me, it's like, oh, absolutely not. Like, it's like immediately, like, guards up. You're triggered. Like, I'm not doing this with mm -hmm. you, you know? And it's like, I kind of sit down and I think to myself, like, what could have been different had my like father been more active realistically Ooh, because yeah. like my dad you know he's remarried he has um he has like other kids and I truly don't have a relationship with them like people ask me I'm like I'm an only child because yeah. my mom has one kid I'm like I'm an only child but I struggle to sit down and say okay I want to have a relationship with these other children because why do they get the good dad like why I didn't yeah. get that? Like, yeah. I'm jealous. I don't want to do this. You know, they say we didn't grow up in the same home. Are we really? That's what siblings? I'm saying. That's what I'm you saying. Because if you ain't come out the same cooter, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah. you got other ladies' kids. Yeah. Because it's like, I don't, I don't nothing. I, when I tell you, I couldn't even tell you their birthdays. Like, I really couldn't. Like, I know the month. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you anything. And I think also there's an issue specifically where, and this is not to shame my daddy. Like, if you listen to sorry. But, you know. I think because as an adult, I've become successful where I have disposable income. He sees that as like, 
me having the ability to help his children. Oh, so no. it's like he and him and my mom, like they still speak like, you know, my mother, bless her heart. She never once spoke negatively about my dad. She allowed me to form my own opinions about his ancient yeah. ways. I appreciate that. Like, your mom sounds like a great woman. No, she's real, great real. because me, I would have been like, your daddy ain't shit. Yes. Your daddy is yes. terrible. She never did that. You yes. know, she always like spoke really highly of him around her family, around me. She kept all her feelings to herself. She was like, I will not speak on this because like she didn't want to like change the way I viewed my yeah. dad. Because at the time, like he was my favorite parent. Yeah. Um, And now that I think about it, I'm like, damn, like this, like he'll call me. And he'll be like, well, your sister needs an iPad. She's eight. And I, the fuck she need and that why for? is that your job? It's not your job to say. Exactly. Anymore. It's like all these different things to the point where like. I recently got gifted, like I went on a brand trip to Disney and I saw they, that. And so and you also had New York Fashion Week. I did. That was that, a good run. That matching Jacquemus set was good. Ah. <laughs> I saw that. Stop it. But literally, like I um I like went on this brand trip and they gave us these like gorgeous dolls. Like mm-hmm. I am 24 years old. I don't play with dolls. <laughs> you know, I have no purpose for this doll realistically in my home, in my life, it doesn't fit. I'm thinking to myself, okay, what do I do with the doll? My first instinct is maybe I should send it to Atlanta so my younger sister can have this doll. Then I caught myself and I was like, if I do that, there's going to be the expectation that every Mm -hmm. time I go on a work, like a content related trip, there's an expectation that I will be bringing something for them. And I was like, I don't want that relationship to exist because one me personally like i'm not emotionally mature enough to say like i'm comfortable seeing you have the father that i wanted when i was your age like i'm i'm not there yeah i'm not going to act like i'm there yeah. but it's also like i don't want to be in an environment where i have to be the person who's giving because for most of my relationship with my dad it was oh well the phone works both ways i'm 7 what do you mean the phone? Yeah. I don't even have a phone. Yeah. How's the phone working both ways? Like you have my mother's number and she's never once stopped you from being able to call me. You know, even through the custody battles, through the fighting, all of it. Mm-hmm. Like she never once stopped in that yeah. situation. So I'm just like, mm, I don't know. The phone works both ways. Like, mm, sorry about it. Like yeah. you, you got it. You can you can figure it out. And it's like now that I'm in my mid twenties, my dad's like ready to be a dad, and it's like, oh, Buki, well, yeah, I mean, too late, <laughs> like and it's, too late. And it's probably convenient for him now because like he yeah. didn't have to do all the manual exactly. Labor. No, he didn't he's have to do all the work. he's realistically, I feel like looking for like a third parent no. for those younger children, and. I don't have children by design. <laughs> like, and then like if I that, wanted one, I would have one by now. <laughs> like, on top of that, Gabrielle Union made this great comment, and, she, and they were like, what advice could you give someone? Drink your water and have boundaries. And black girls will be happier when we set boundaries. No, that's how I Period. feel. Because we're always, we always have to give. Our, we have no, to give that our is culture. like my firm boundary. Yes. It's like I'm not going to be the third parent. Period. I'm not doing this because like love my mother so much, but she spent so much of my life working yeah. just to make sure that I could like live so for extended periods, I would say like ages 12 to 18, mm-hmm. like I would get myself up because she worked the night shift. I would get myself up at seven in the morning. Like I would go to school on time. You know, I would make sure everything was OK and literally just let her know like, hey, parent teacher conference is on this day. So yeah. it's like I was doing so much for myself. It's like you also had to grow up. very Exactly. Fast. Like you, you know, should you should keep that doll for yourself. For your that's what I think I might. I think I might you should. because it's really pretty, but I'm just like, this is outrageous because I don't want to, I don't want to give and then be taken advantage of, but I still want to give, you know what I no. mean? So it's just like, it's unfortunate that I have to have that boundary with like, you know, the man who like, I stole his face. It's like my mom wasn't even in the room when they made me. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, I was like, she wasn't even there. <laughs> like, so, you know, it's just unfortunate, but it is what it is. Truly, you know, shout out my girls with daddy's issues. No, for real, girl. <laughs> and then the the un, the unlearning aspect. But I want to say thank you so. I'm sad our conversation is ending. <laughs> I'm like, we yeah. can keep going, girl. girl. I love talking to you. Like for real, for real. We're gonna have to go get lunch or something, Ooh, you know, or dinner or something. No, we're here. I'm here, girl. You know, I live here. I ain't doing shit. So let me know. I kind of want to go like see a show tomorrow or something. Mm-hmm. Let's say you know. I think Jesse Williams is still on Broadway showing his penis. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Is he really? I think he is. The show is still going. 
Take I heard it. I heard. I saw I the heard. pictures. The boy was slinging. I was like, oh, oh shit. Like, oh, Let shit. me pull up my phone real quick. I was like, no. Because <laughs> hilariously, when I looked at the tickets last time, they were $69. And I was like, oh, this is funny. <laughs> so this is funny. So I'm like, hmm. I'm not against it. You need to, you need to start a podcast. <laughs> hilariously, I launched a podcast and then work was kicking my ass so you bad. That I just stopped. But I actually just recently hired a brand designer. So we're going to redo the whole image. You should definitely and I'm going to relaunch. And I'll probably come right back here. And yes, record it. You should 1000% do it because I think it's very admirable how you know how to pivot. Like, you know how to make something like it seems like, you know, with the Google layoff, like you just had your first brand trip. Was that your no, first brand trip? That was my first brand trip. Hilariously, like, the Google layoff, like, my mom jokes that getting laid off is probably the best thing that happened I was to gonna, me. That was one of the questions I was going to ask you. Hilariously, um, from January 1st to February 15th, which is the day I went on that brand trip, like, as a creator, I earned my full-time income at Google off of, like, brand deals, like, signed wow. contracts, yeah. all that. And I was like, wait... <laughs> This is all I had to do? Yeah. <laughs> I just had, had to let this job yeah. go for a second. Um, so I don't know. I feel like I'm thankful for Google for being a content plot point in the way that it was. And it was a part of your life. And exactly. It also was like, it was like a, it was like a stepping stone for the next thing. Exactly. Because the content was contenting at Google. Exactly. But now it's time to move on to exactly. something else. Yes. So I'm thankful for, you know, it doing what it did. But I'm just like... It's chill. Like, yeah, I'm happy. Yes. More brand trips. You know, let Tart take me next time. No. For, <laughs> no. You trying to go to Dubai? I'm trying to go to Dubai. I what? mean, you at Kensington Gray. They're going to get you right. What Asian doll say? We're going to Doobie. Like, I'm yeah, trying, that's trying to go what to I'm Doobie. Saying. Yes. <laughs> well, do you have any final thoughts? Any final words? Oh, my God. Mm. Honestly, girl, I feel like I'm good. I feel like I said my you're gonna best. You're going to have to come back on. Girl, I'm down whenever. Because I feel like I didn't even get through all my questions. I'll be in Texas. <laughs> Come to Texas, I do girl. be in Texas. You know, I, I, I got a little baby who live out there. Are you for real? <laughs> okay, pull up. Where at? Dallas. Pull up. Yeah. No, I'm serious. Pull up. Say People that come to Texas, all you been there before? I've been to Texas. Girl, come on. I went to school in Tennessee. Like, I, I've been to Texas. Thanks. But I'm not going to hold you. Out of all the, like, Texas cities, I do like Dallas the most. I feel like Houston's a little, no shade, a little subpar. And Austin is like real weird. Austin is very really weird. Austin, I don't want to say it on camera, but I, well, Austin is is it's not diverse. It's not. It's I thought not the tacos diverse. were trash. She was Dallas, nasty. We got, you gotta come to Dallas. No, Dallas. I went to Dallas. I went to Dallas in January of twenty twenty one. Uh huh. So peak COVID still going at the club, walling. Yes. I was like, oh, Texas is we different. We only wore masks for three months. I know. I said Texas is different. Like one, the Kroger in Texas. Excellent. Yes. Enjoyed that. Kroger H-E-B. Excellent. Yes. Loved it down. Loved it down. Barbecue. Delicious. Yes. Food is bomb. Oh my God. It was People just, it was are great. bomb. My friend came and she 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 um is at Georgetown Law right now and she comes every single spring break to visit. No, it's and I'm so like, fun. Like every single... I'm Honestly, like, I'm like, the only thing Dallas is losing in my mind in comparison to Houston, y'all don't got the rodeo. The we Houston, do have the rodeo. The Houston rodeo is serious. Oh, the Houston rodeo. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's. I mean, they got the, they got the stallion come out of there. That's what I'm so, saying. You know, like it's the probably Houston rodeo. They got the stallion. I went to Houston spring break my sophomore year. Uh huh. That is still like one of the most fun trips I've ever had. Not because Houston was super spectacular, but, but because, because I went to the just, rodeo. Yes. Rodeo was great. Yes. Damn. They have some around Dallas. Come to Dallas and we'll we'll link. Up. Okay. Period. You know, I love me a little state fair rodeo kind of moment. Yes. <laughs> Where can we follow you? Let us know. Oh my God! You can follow me on all platforms at Sidoni Francis. Literally, my government name, <laughs> the name my mom and my daddy gave me <laughs> on every platform. <laughs> just at Sidoni Francis <laughs> on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest. Twitter, everything. It's just okay. I'm gonna go, go kick my Twitter because I like my to Twitter. Say funny Twitter stuff. a little controversial. I might lock it. I'm not. Going hey, to. listen. I might make a new one. We like a little controversy. Yeah, because I'd be on there like, wow. Yes. I just went on a rant about um Drake like two days ago. I was like, mm, I gotta do stop. we do we like Drake? I like Drake, but I just don't like when people compare him to Beyonce because not comparing him to Beyonce. No, no, because here's the thing. Here's the thing about men. Men will have Drake's genitals in their mouth so deep 
that they feel like he's like the greatest person ever. And I'm like, okay, sure. If I negate the fact that he'd be talking to kids who are like 16. Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah, if I negate that. Also, when he said strippers are like virgins to me, I was like, ooh. Yeah. You know, some of the things, I feel like we're going to have a surviving Aubrey in like the next 10 years. I literally, oh my gosh. I feel that. I literally. Him and Trey Songz. I I literally say this shit all the time. There's something about. It's Drake. iffy. It's weird. There's something about Drake that's very dark to me. Same. It's sinister. Something... I think it's the child actor thing. It's just, it's sinister. But there's also something about him, like how he'll just be talking and he'll be like, I got Kit Kats. No, I saw this tweet where it said, Aubrey Graham is an actor and Drake is his best role yet. When I saw that, I said, that's exactly it. Because that yes, boy, right? like, like Drake is not Drake. Drake, that is Aubrey acting yes. as Drake. That's how I feel. But when it comes to Drake, to even, I'm sorry, because I'm a Beyonce stan, like, there are literally videos of me like age two dancing to Beyonce. Like yes. love her. Like that that's mother. Yeah. You know? To sit down and compare Drake to Beyonce is hilarious because they're both going on tour this summer and Drake is doing arenas. He's doing places that have no more than twenty five thousand seats. And Beyonce is doing stadiums. stadiums. Eighty thousand. We're plus. about to, we are literally about to get a halftime performance. Exactly. They were really only like three people in the industry who can do stadium tours at this point in the career. It's Beyonce, it's Taylor Swift, and it's the weekend. Everyone else is like they can't sell out a yes. MetLife Stadium, you know, they can't sell out Gillette Stadium in Boston. Like, they, they don't have the ability. Like, Taylor Swift, her concert tickets haven't even, like, after the pre-sale, there were no more tickets because they yes. sold out of the tickets. And they were expensive as hell. As hell. Beyonce tickets, Club Renaissance, had me looking at my bank account like, damn, but you gotta ease up. Like, you see SZA's tickets? You see, I wasn't gonna do that. I wasn't I was, gonna do that. I was like, SZA, why are these Beyonce prices? <laughs> no, they were SZA Beyonce prices. Love SZA, but not for Madison Square Garden. She lost me bad. <laughs> she SZA. lost me bad. She lost me bad. But I did end up getting Drake tickets for his tour because one of my friends was like, I really want to go. And I'm like the Ticketmaster warrior. And 21's going to be there. Yeah. I'm a Ticketmaster warrior. Like, Ticketmaster can never beat me. Like, ever. I'm going, <laughs> like, I'm going to get what Did I you want. you get your Beyonce's? Girl, of course. Club Renaissance. First day. Like, when I tell you, Beyonce <laughs> was stressing me out so bad that I opened a city credit card. <laughs> Because it was a city pre-sale. And then the card didn't come in time. So I had to walk over to Citibank like four blocks away and open a debit account and just put money in a debit account to buy those tickets. Stop. That's serious. Beyonce, I hope you hear her. I'm we, dead serious. The, we have a guy that's coming tonight that takes pictures of Beyonce. Stop He's a photographer. With, stop playing with me. Because you don't even understand. Like, I... If my rent was due, I'm sorry, it was. I'm just saying, if it my, was the pause, no, it was if the pause. My rent was due, you know, because Beyonce's the one bitch I'll make an irresponsible financial decision for. Like, oh my god! Like, I saw this post and this one lady was like, "I can't believe you're trying to decide between buying your baby a new stroller and getting them Beyonce tickets. Get the Beyonce tickets. Get the Beyonce tickets. Fuck that baby. Fuck them kids. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. The way my friends they were like, and here's the thing, I'm crazy about Beyonce. And in 2016, when she did Formation, that tour, she people were asking her where the DVD was for the tour, and she yeah. said, "You could watch it in your mind. It lives in your mind." So she's right because I can still very vividly. I can close my. Eyes I, I, can close my I can close my. I can her on the close bus my eyes yeah, and right. see that white flower opening up and yes. the lights dimming in the stadium. Like yes. really, if I imagine it, I guess, especially if I watch my Snapchat um, yes. memories, I can really see that tour. But when it came for this one, I said, "Well, I got to go twice because I see it once from my mind and one from my phone." <laughs> so, <laughs> so I woke up in the middle of the night, three a.m. For all the European tour dates, I was trying to go to Paris. Way too many people in front of me in the queue. Was trying to go to London. That shit sold out. Was like texting my British cousins, like, "Yo, like send me your O2 code." They were like, "Bro, like I couldn't even get Beyonce tickets." So I was like, "Let me just say, start thinking to myself, like, okay, least densely populated European countries. Like, start thinking." I was like, "We got Belgium. Like, I could do like Eastern Germany. And I could do Sweden. I was like, wherever, whichever one I get the tickets for is where I'm going." Popped in the queue for Sweden. There was nobody in front of me. I said, wait, I got my pick of the fucking litter right now. Like, this is so you outrageous. To go to and see I'm going to Sweden on May 7th <laughs> for her tour on May 10th. I'm going to Sweden, girl. I'm going to Sweden. And here's the thing. To sit on the floor in Sweden, it was $100 per ticket. $120 per ticket. You're lying. I bought four. I didn't even know who was coming with me. I didn't even know who was coming with me, girl. I bought four. Started texting my girls like, hey, what you doing on May 10th? And they're like, oh, no plans. I was like, okay, you want to go to Sweden? See Beyonce? Because going to Sweden, flying to Sweden is $350 round trip. It's so much cheaper. And that's the price of like... Literally. My club renaissance ticket in America is still more money than me flying to Sweden, getting an Airbnb in Sweden, going to the concert, and then flying back. 
it's still 200 more dollars than everything that I spent for that. Like, Beyonce, she's a wicked lady. You know, she didn't price those tickets like somebody who told me to release my job. She didn't. But I'm going to enjoy it. And that's why I got to see it twice. So that first one in Sweden, that's for my phone. That's I'm going to be recording, zooming you got in. Two? Yeah. That second one in Jersey at MetLife, that, that's for my mind. I'm not even bringing the phone. <laughs> I'm not even bringing the phone with me. I'm dead I'm watching and I'm taking mental pictures because when my I'm dead serious. When my memory is going, when I'm like in my 90s, when I can't remember shit, what I am gonna remember is that, is that shit. I don't want to remember my grandkids. I don't want to remember my husband. I don't remember none of that shit. I want to remember that concert because I truly don't think we get another one for like at least another five years. I feel like this might be the last one. She should retire. I'm She's using been in the game for like 30 years. Everything that she said right here, I'm using this as the TikTok <laughs> No, like I don't play around. I'm using it for the Me and Beyonce, we we locked in. Ain't no switch. That's that's mother. Like, <laughs> that's mother. like we're locked in. Like, I don't feel this passionately about anybody else. I'm not gonna hold you. Like, I love Jay-Z. I'm from Brooklyn. Like, when they did on the run too, I was like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> it's like enough Jay. We don't need him. Enough need Jay. Her. But here's the thing. If, on the run if Jay-Z one. and Beyonce are performing together in New York, it's a Jay-Z concert. It's not a Beyonce concert. People are showing up for Jay-Z. But I'm going to the last New York tour, like the last date. I truly believe in my mind. When I start thinking about it, I was like, we're gonna have some guests. We have some guests. <laughs> because you she doesn't come to New York and not bring anybody out. Bring your husband out. Bring him out. Maybe play some Solange. songs. Play some songs. No, nah, nah, Solange is cool. Bring your husband out. Because this is a New York show. That's what we want to hear. Yeah. Bring him out. Let me enjoy myself. And I'm going to go home. And I'm not spending no more money from July 30th until September 15th. <laughs> because she, she don't fuck my whole account up. <laughs> I was like, damn. I was like, whoa, you're, you're a wallet. Like, why would you do that, Beyonce? <laughs> but you know what? Like I said, that's mother. So period. It's okay. I love her. Period. Love period. Her. Period. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm dead. Thank you I for having that. me. I bro. love that laugh. The last part. Thank you for having me. Oh my god. <laughs>